Hey everyone, I'm Justin Fiedler and this is Dirt Tracker Conversations. As fans of dirt racing, it's easy to get caught up in the professional racers and the big names we all know. But the majority of dirt racers have normal jobs and race in their free time. One of those racers is Ryan Missler. Missler is a super late model competitor in Ohio and has had plenty of success winning races in the Attica Track Championship five times. In recent years, because of his day job and family life, Missler is picking and choosing his schedule and racing when it works for him. But along the way, he's decided to start documenting his racing journey with YouTube videos. He posted his first video in 2017 and has since added 148 more. Everything from onboard videos to the track, to him fixing damage in his garage, to a recent shop tour or rocket chassis. He's amassed nearly 7,000 subscribers and is closing in on three quarters of a million video views. He joins me this week to talk about his racing career, starting the YouTube channel, how it's affected his team, and much more. But before we get to Ryan, this episode is brought to you by Blood Lubricants. Blood carries a high-performance line of synthetic racing oils, and they've got you covered for all sorts of dirt racing applications. Engine oils, gear oils, suspension fluid, cleaning products, you name it, they've got it. And these aren't bargain basement oils and lubricants. This is high-quality stuff. Danny Dietrich grabbed 13 wins in 2020 running the Blood Racing Pro Series engine oil in his 410 engine. It's hard to argue with race-winning performance. They've got a great racer support program that offers discounts on products plus free swag, and they support hundreds of racers across many divisions throughout the country. To check out the support program, find out more information, or to buy, visit bloodlubricants.com. That's B-L-U-D lubricants.com. If you'd like to receive 25% off most products, use code DIRT at checkout. That's D-I-R-T, all caps, at checkout. Now let's get to my conversation with Ryan Missler. call you Ohio late model racer, uh, Ryan Missler. Um, but from there, you know, obviously the YouTube channel is big. Um, you, you know, your racing is obviously kind of vital to all of this, but I kind of want to start with, um, you know, somebody like yourself, you're, you're not a professional racer. You're not racing to feed your family. So let's get started with your kind of job outside of racing. And well, you know, what do you do to make ends meet and, and how do you kind of make all of this work for your family? Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Justin. I appreciate it. Um, I'm a, I own a machine shop. My dad started a, a CNC machining business back in the late 80s. And uh, I work for him went through high school. And after high school, I continued that. And I worked for him for 17 years. And then two years ago, I took over the business, purchased it from my father. And, and so the last uh, two years, that's what basically what my my main focus has been between between working there and keeping that going and making the payments to the bank and making rent payments and keeping customers happy to uh, uh, being there for my family and uh, doing a little racing on the side. What uh, like what kind of customers do you have with the machine shop business? You know, what kind of work do you do in there? So we have several pieces of CNC equipment. So there's if people know the terms mills, milling machines, turning centers, lathes, surface grinders, we make basically any small to medium sized parts out of metal, we can make it. Cool. And I, you know, in watching your videos, you know, you, you're kind of in a unique situation where the shop is like where your like your house is. Um, and like, you know, watching you kind of like walk through the woods, like from your house to the race shop and you're able to kind of run the race car you know, from the shop to the house, things like that. But like, how did it end up like that where the house and the shop are so close together? Well, where I grew up, the, the machine shop is on the property where I grew up. And then when it came to time where we were looking for places to build a house or buy a house, there was property 
kind of a small housing development that just so happened to be right next to the property that I grew up on. So we purchased a lot and built a house on the property that butts right up to my father's property. Nice. So I can just walk right, get out, get out of bed and get ready and walk right down the hill to the machine shop. Nice. I, I want to ask you obviously then about your racing and, and how you get started, um, you know, running the late model and, and, you know, in, in kind of watching your shows, you know, you race for a while, then you kind of take a break and then you come back, but kind of walk me through your, your racing career, you know, uh, you know, from when you got started to kind of where we are today. I started um, as a fan, as a child, my dad took me to the racetrack at Attica and watched sprint cars and, you know, uh, street stocks and, and that sort of thing. And then in my teen years, I started racing go-karts and raced those for several seasons. And uh, dad got into building the, the engines for those. And um, so that was cool. And then uh, 2004, uh, we had friends of the family that had a limited late mile. I was racing at, at Attica mainly. And I, I inquired about hot lapping and taking it for a spin. So I got to do that. And that, that was awesome. And it just snowballed from there. I got my first uh, limited late model in 2004 and started racing that um, for several seasons at Attica. And so that division kind of morphed into the, the, uh, division that it is today, the, the super late models at Attica. And so I've been racing supers since, uh, 2009 and, uh, yeah, so that's where we're at. Why, uh, you know, why, I, I know at some point you, you create a video where you, or, you know, you talk about maybe on your, maybe it was on your website where you talk about that you took a break for racing for a while and then, and then came back to it. What, you know, why the break and then why coming back? Well, it was 2000 and uh, I think 15 season. We had won championships at Attica um, from 09 to 13, five, five championships in a row. And when, and not to say that we were the dominating car at all, but we just were consistent and we won, we won those. And then seasons after that, it just got to the point where we weren't winning and we weren't running good. And it was just basically doing the work, basically how I felt for nothing. So it just got to be where it was more of a second job every night in the race shop and not, not having fun. So, um, we, we had our, our third kid Oliver in the beginning of 2016 and he was having some health issues there after a few months after being born. And I wasn't even thinking about racing and we didn't race at all. And until the Oliver got better and we had, um, the guy I raced with Jerry, he put a car together without any of my help or anything. And he said, Hey, uh, I know you didn't want to, you didn't want to race it all. Your, your focus wasn't that he said, but I got this car and all we really got to do is, you know, get it fired up and, and take it to the track. It's pretty much ready to go. So I raced for two, two nights uh, at the end of the 2016 season. And that just being able to take focus off of, racing and and everything and focus on the family and i think i just needed that break and then coming back you know uh it was fun again for for whatever reason you know we can ourselves we can make things like work or more more so make things like uh we're not enjoying them that's ourselves not enjoying it it's not 
it's not the outside affecting you. It's you making yourself not enjoy it, if that makes sense. So I guess I just need to take a break to refocus and just, just go into it with a new attitude to potentially just make it fun again, you know, and, and do it. So we didn't race as much um, in 2017. We just went into, it. we weren't going to run for points anywhere. We were just going to go out to win races and, and race here and there and not race two, three times, you know, a week, just pick and choose. And, and it was, it, 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 it was fun again. And in the mix of all that, that's when we started doing the YouTube videos was at the beginning of the 2017 season. So it's just a, an idea that I had that I seen not in racing. I didn't, there wasn't really anybody really doing that yet that I could tell. There was some like very well done feature films of different drivers and stuff that some guys were doing, but there wasn't anything like behind the scenes where, so I got the idea and I pitched it to one of my buddy's sons who was in high school doing he was doing some filming for high school, just like sports and stuff. And I said, Hey, Christian, what, what do you say? We just, uh, you follow me around with the camera for a while and we'll make some YouTube videos. And that's how it all started. Um, I, I definitely want to come back to the YouTube channel, but I, I kind of want to ask you some more stuff about your racing in terms of, you know, when you're running at Attica regularly for championships, you know, you're working in the machine shop, you know, do you think that it's, you know, trying to kind of do all of these things at the same time, you know, did maybe kind of lead to that burnout a little bit, you know, trying to have the family work in the machine shop and still be able to get the racetrack, you know, every week? Oh, yeah, definitely. See, I wasn't, I wasn't owner of the machine shop at that time. So I wasn't, it wasn't super stress environment or the work environment wasn't super stressful there. Um, but, but definitely what led to um, a lot of it, I think was just every night having to go to the race shop um, and, you know, eating supper, telling the kids goodbye, telling the wife goodbye and going to the race shop and not getting a tuck my kids in the bed at night, you know, and just a lot of little things like that compounded and not winning, you know, and it just, just, you know, a lot of stuff going on and not, not really asking yourself or taking into perspective what you really want out of anything that you're doing, you know? So, so yeah, it's definitely a lot of spinning your wheels and, and not really accomplishing anything doing too much. One of the things that I, I, I don't know if, if people even realize, especially for somebody like yourself who's not racing professionally, is, you know, all of the sacrifices that kind of need to be made across the board. And, and for, for you, how important is it to have the support of your wife, to have the support of your dad, you know, to have your kids around? Like, how important is that for somebody like you? It's huge. You know, if if my wife, you know, fought me every time that I wanted to work on a race car or go racing and, or she didn't want to go with me, that would be, you know, devastating. It would, I probably wouldn't be racing and same way with my dad, you know, always, always encouraging me always, you know, he took me to the track as a young kid when I was, you know, bagging him to take me and he took me and, and, um, and then, then getting started, he housed, he housed the late models, you know, in the back room of the machine shop, for years, you know, and sacrificing there too. So it's, if it's a whole, it's like a perfect storm, you know, you, you gotta have that support, you know, otherwise 
you're not going to be successful at it or you're not even going to do it at all. The other thing I want to ask you about is, is, you know, your choice of race cars, you know, coming up at Attica, like, you know, Attica and, and, and Fremont, a lot of these Ohio racetracks is, is really good for 10 sprint car country. So why a late model and not a sprint car? Well, I asked myself that a lot too. If there was probably a sprint car team that was local to me or that were uh, friends of the family, like I said, if there was a sprint car team, I probably would have went that route. But the the people I'm speaking of are the, the Boris family. They promote Attica or John Boris promotes Attica. And it was him that was running the limited late model and his son had just started racing them too. So if it weren't for them and me hanging out at their shop and doing that, um, I, and if it was a sprint car in that situation, it probably would have been a sprint car, but in that case, it was a, a late model. It, it, you know, since you are a late model driver, what is it about the late model that you like? You know, is, is it the way it drives? Is it the way the racing is, you know, what attracts you to the late model? I guess it's just what I've always raced. And, um, it's to me, it's definitely now that I'm a, an all father and, uh, I got, I got a lot of my plate. It seems to me like it's a lot safer. You know, I know you can get hurt in anything, you know, people get drivers get hurt and everything. Um, but it, 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 it's definitely pretty stout, you know, around where the, where our cockpits are and, and safety's come a long way on, on all race cars, but, um, I don't know what, what particularly attracts me to it. It's just the more that you're around something, the more that you get involved in that, you know, that, um, division. So I, I guess it's just, it's just what I've been around the most. Do you think that working in the machine shop and, and having the skills that you have with that, you know, that type of machinery and welding and metal, do you think that helps you as, as, you know, uh, uh, you know, now a, a late model owner, but as a driver and somebody who's working on these cars all the time? Yeah, it helps, uh, financially for sure. Whereas I could, uh, if I had any, you know, endless pockets or any supply of, of cash, I could, you know, call rocket chassis and they could send me anything that I wanted for that car. But, you know, in the, in the midst of the season, it, it saves me time too. you know, in the midst of the season, I can go down to the shop and fix something instead of calling and ordering a new part. I can maybe fix, you know, this body panel or this brace or the bumper or something, you know, it's, and I probably understand more of, you know, of fits and, and threads and, you know, all, all types of stuff that's on the car better than somebody that maybe doesn't have access to, you know, uh, being a machinist or a fabricator or something. Back to the YouTube channel. So, you know, you, you started up in 2017 and, you know, you want to show behind the scenes stuff. Did, was there a channel or, or, you know, like, you know, was there inspiration? Was there somebody you looked at and said, you know, I kind of want to do what they're doing, you know, even if it was in a different sport or, you know, a different you know, kind of, you know, whether it was entertainment or something like that, like, you know, was there something that you looked at and, and, you know, was like kind of almost like aspirational that you wanted your channel to kind of look like that? Um, the, there was two guys, there was, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Have you ever heard of him? He's not anything to do with racing at all, yep. but he, he's more of a digital marketing guy and, uh, and an, and an inspirational guy says got his head on straight and stuff. And, and he was doing, you know, vlog style, you know, daily videos and stuff. And then he had a personal trainer that also did them too, Mike Vacanti. So 
that's that was the the first two guys that I that I looked at or that I was watching and where I got the idea from, but the the initial idea I should say. What was your, uh, your equipment like in the beginning? Like, you know, what kind of camera were you using? And, and, you know, I know you said you had some help, um, you know, from somebody else in, in Christian, but like, you know, what, what were you kind of doing technology wise to, to make this stuff happen then? Uh, we, I said, Christian, we should probably get a video camera. We had always way back through the go-kart days. We, we filmed with a, you know, just a flip open video camera. We filmed or my father-in-law or whoever had the camera, mainly my father-in-law would video you know, every race that I was in never did any, you know, me talking to the camera. It was just the videos. And that's what we had at first was a camera just like that, you know, and the quality wasn't very good. I look back at them now and they're, you know, they're grainy and they're not very big on the YouTube screen size. And, you know, we, we just, we just started because we wanted to, you know, and um, I did have uh right see i don't know if i had i did have a, a gopro or something in 2017 but it definitely wasn't the latest and greatest that's for sure how long you know you, you start putting videos up you know were, were people watching them immediately i mean how long did it kind of take before you realized that people were actually like maybe kind of paying attention to this thing uh we would upload them onto facebook and youtube and dude our youtube views at the beginning were like minuscule it was pitiful like i didn't even want to tell anybody we were doing it <laughs> and and facebook facebook um it kind of sort of took off at first but i don't know if that was facebook's numbers kind of exaggerating i don't know but it it took i swear we we hovered around like between 50 subscribers and 250 subscribers for two years at that on youtube and then, you know, was there like kind of a, a tipping point? You know, was it, was there, you know, did somebody like at the racetrack start realizing you were doing this? You know, at what point did this thing kind of start gaining some traction? Um, we, we went and raced down in Mansfield at the Dirt Million last year in 2019. And I raced all three nights there. We posted three videos and those were our best, our best, our best videos, I wouldn't say they're the most view count to date, but they were the, they had traction right away. And that was kind of the tipping point, probably when we started to gain some subscribers um, in, in some decent numbers. And then right after that, we followed up, we went to Eldora to the world 100, but we didn't race. We were supposed to, but things happened and we didn't race, but we went down there and, and uh, we, created video of the just the racing and walk around the pits and uh talking to different guys and we met the hunt the front guys down there too <clears throat> and just had a little blurb of them in our video and we put that in the title and and that that helped a lot too and and before that i should say that jonathan joiner shout us out on one of his videos um one of the hunt the front videos i sent him a shirt and he shouted us out and and they were they were just then starting to take off when he did that. So probably, yeah, this is like late 2019 racing season is when the tipping point was. So that's like two and a half years, basically three racing seasons before it actually, you know, started to go. 
is there a point where you're like, you know, out in the garage with the camera and your wife's off to the side and like, where you guys are like, what are we doing? Why are we doing these videos? This doesn't seem to make any sense. All the time. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's, uh, yeah, the, we say that it's, it's both sides of the coin. You know, you're always in your own head saying, you know, who the hell wants to watch this shit? You know, and, and then, uh, then the other side is like, man, somebody would really get a kick out of, you know, watching me do this, you know, so it, you're, there's always the, the angel and the devil, you know, are on your shoulders, you know, talking in your ears, you know, um, but yeah, yeah, there's, there's definitely, there's doubts all the time. You just gotta, you just gotta do it. And then once you do it and you get it done, you put out a video or you film that segment or whatever, you feel better. Is there a point where you start feeling comfortable on camera? Is there a point where, you know, you finally have some ideas flowing about what you want to do on camera? You know, how, how kind of long does that take for you to, you know, kind of start getting that rolling? It definitely helps if I'm in the groove, like doing videos consistently on a daily basis or uh, uh, every other day or something. When I take a couple weeks off, um, like I have this off season, it's very hard to get back in the flow of what do I say and make it not tell myself that you sound dumb, you know, or that, that just, so yeah, I would say consistency, you know, is a big deal, you know, with, with doing it. So the, the more you think about something, you know, the more you do something, the better it's going to be when your sole focus is on that and not to make an excuse, but, I have the machine shop, like I talked about earlier, and I'll do that all day. And then I won't want to up get in my head and I won't want to do the videos at night for on the race car. And then that just, it just cycles that way. And then, so my focus was on, you know, doing this job and shop and my not even focus at all on the, on the video. So it definitely helps to be, to have one thing to focus on and just go, but I've never been that way. I'm, I'm more of a, of a, I don't want to say in a negative light, but it's a more like a, I'm like a scatterbrain. As somebody who's created, you know, a ton of content, I certainly understand the plight. Uh, and, and one of the things that always kind of was, was interesting, frustrating, sometimes cool was, you know, you would put something out and you would think, oh, you know, nobody's going to watch this. And then all of a sudden everybody watches it. And then vice versa, when you put something out and you're like, everybody's going to love this. And then like everyone hates it or something like along those lines. Do you, do you have those moments? Do you have those moments in your mind where you put something out and you didn't think it would do that well? And then all of a sudden it does well. Uh, yeah. Um, we did a video about three weeks ago. We took our car on the, to rocket and had some work done on it and we took the camera and if my wife wouldn't have went with me, I wouldn't have filmed anything, but she had it and she's always, which is a good thing. She's always pushing me, you know, you should do this. You should do this. And I'm like, ow, you know, nobody wants that. You know, that's not how I want it to be. So I'm just not even going to do it. And so that rocket video, we did a, it just titled it a tour of rocket racing. And, uh, that was our best video to date. You know, it, it, it was, it wasn't really anything, you know, special. It just, we got a tour and we were just held the camera up while we got to tour, you know, but now looking back, you know, I'll say, well, 
I've been here plenty of times. There ain't nothing, you know, it's cool to, to go to rocket, but it's not like, I didn't think it was worthy of a video, you know, um, of, of all the shot. But then looking back, like everybody that watches the channel, there's probably only a handful of guys who have been there before everybody else don't even know what it's like to go down there. So I think that's why it, it has so much uh, traction because not, you know, the average fan just can't go in there and, and, you know, say, give me a tour, you know, they're not going to get that. So yeah, I have those moments. I think, you know, the, the interesting for me, you know, watching that video and, and, and knowing what I know about the Richards and, and, and rocket and, and something that I'm, I'm kind of curious with you about too, is, is, you know, the late model world is it's like, everything is a secret, you know, we're, we're, we're covering up, you know, hubs, we're covering up the back of the car. We don't want anybody to see anything. And so like, you know, someone like you who has the camera everywhere around the car, you know, you're not hiding things, you know, how, how big of a deal is that for you? And I'm sure you get asked about it quite a lot about, you know, your secrets and not unveiling that type of stuff. But like, why is it important for you to, to show everything that goes on? Because that gets back to the point of why I wanted to do this in the first place was I asked myself, you know, or ask yourself that I asked you this question. If you could have, if you could be in any, any racers shop as a crew guy, I, or just to sit there and shoot the shit with them with your favorite sprint car driver, your favorite late model driver, you know, you would do that in a heartbeat, you know? So I want to take everybody behind the scenes and show everybody everything, just like they were part of, if they were just sitting there, you know, with me, I'd talk to the camera, just like if they were there with me. So that's, that's why I started the videos was, was for that reason right there. And, and, you know, in, in going through the Richard shop and, and it's, it's such a fun contrast to see, you know, like their race shop where they've got, you know, the, the one cars lined up, there's checks everywhere, all this type of stuff. And then we come back to your next video and your next video is you rattle canning, you know, the parts of the chassis that they had ground down to put new bars in and things like that. And it's like, it, you know, it shows you obviously, you know, how important it is for someone like you to, to continue racing. And, and it's, you know, obviously a big part of your life, but how big the gap is between, you know, what you do and, and, and what they do. And, and, you know, when, when you go somewhere like that shop is, is it, is it inspirational? Does it, you know, does it bring you down because you don't have those things? Like how, how do you feel kind of walking through that shop like that? It's overwhelming. Um, and, but when you're there, you wish that, you wish that you had, you know, two cars brand new, complete sitting there, you know, but in my, there's, there's a ton of thoughts that go through your head. They're positive and negative, but I, I see the car sitting there and I see, you know, Eddie Carrier Jr. And, and the other guys putting bodies on the car, you know, and I asked Eddie, I'm like, do you ever get sick of building bodies? And he's like, no, and he is super sarcastic, you know? So I see, all the work that went into putting them together that I don't have time to do, nor do I want to do. I have one car. So I, I, I feel blessed, you know, to be able to have the one car that I do have, but yeah, I, I wish that mine was sitting there ready to go, but you know, in all reality, I have the same car that Brandon Shepard's running. You know, I might not have the same motor that Brandon Shepard's running, but I have, I can have the same, you know, suspension and I have the same exact design chassis that he has. So, you know, it's just a matter of, um, you know, 
perspective, I guess. And I, I just, I feel blessed to, to be able to have the car in my garage. I can walk out from my, from my back door and walk out in the garage in my bare feet and work on a car. While you're walking around in there, are you taking the GoPro and like, you know, shoving it underneath the car, hoping to like catch some, some secrets, you know, is, is there anything to be learned while you're in there? <laughs> uh, down at rocket uh, down at rocket. Yeah. Um, they really, they had both, both their cars. They ran this year. Their bodies were completely torn off of them. The engines were out and they were wide open for all to see. Nobody said anything like, don't shine the camera here. Steve Baker told me, he's like, film anything you want. That's pretty cool. I am curious about the, the channels kind of effect on your racing and, and, you know, obviously I would imagine a lot more people know about who you are and, and probably approach you at the racetrack, but you know, has it made it easier to get sponsors? Has it made it easier to sell merch? You know, what does that kind of overall effect on your racing been, you know, since you've, you know, got the YouTube channel going and, and really started kind of seeing it grow a little bit. Um, we're, st- I don't want to stay here and lie and say that the sponsors are just rolling in. Uh, I'm not very good at marketing. You know, you think, maybe I would be better at that, but, um, the, the t-shirts and and that sort of the online sales has, has definitely picked up, you know, since, you know, we have a presence online on YouTube. Um, but as far as sponsors goes, the ones that we have, they, they enjoy the channel, you know, and maybe I need to, and we're just now working on putting something together, you know, and looking at the analytics on the YouTube channel and, and seeing how many viewers we have a month and, and blah, 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 blah. And, and um, now we, we just have to execute that. But um, I'd say fans are, they're, they're slowly starting to, to come up to us at the track. There's a dude from New Jersey that came, you know, to the track last year and said, Hey, I seen you on YouTube, you know, and, uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, the, the online sales, it, it's, it's, uh, definitely got a presence there and, and, um, the sponsors are definitely aren't, you know, sending me messages, you know, there, there's a few definitely, definitely gained a few that's for sure. But you know, we're not, we're not, uh, buying new rigs and new race cars because the sponsors are beating down our doors. <laughs> One of the things that, uh, you know, I, I like about your channel and I'm sure a lot of other people like about your channel is, is, you know, you're open about things and, you know, like we kind of just talked about, but you know, one of the things that happened to you this year is, is you effectively lose your ride because of, you know, some business things and, and your car owner trying to focus on his own business. Um, and, and you end up buying your own car and, and you came out and you said, you know, like I had some issues, lost my ride. I got to buy a car. Um, how difficult was that situation? And, and, you know, did it take you long to be like, you know what, I, I need to get a car. I need to get back in this. You know, what, what did that process kind of look like? Um, it, it was a, it was a shocker because the, the car that I was going to drive, um, it was sitting there with, it had decals on it. The seat was, was in it. Uh, it was pretty much ready to go. And then, then it was like just the whole season changed. you know, the, the rug was pulled out from underneath and, um, so I was, we're like, well, what the heck are we going to do? I'm like, well, we don't have a car. We don't, nobody's, nobody's got a ride right now. So we'll, we'll put it out there that, you know, we lost our ride, but you know, don't expect anything. And, and Amber and I were, we're talking, you know, over the course of a couple of weeks and she's like, you gotta buy a car. You gotta get something. I'm like, 
you know, we can't just, you know, these late models to buy a, what I would want to get, you know, it costs, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to do it. I still had a motor I, from when I raced before I had a motor and a truck and trailer, but we didn't have a place for the car and we didn't, uh, we didn't have a car or a shop to work on it. in. you know, the machine shops long surpassed being able to house a car. Uh, it's, it's full. So, uh, I got to thinking and, and I think I surprised Amber, my wife, when I said, you know, I, I think if we build onto our little shed out back, we can put a couple things from the garage out there and I can put the, the car will fit in here and we can work on it. So, uh, so then we started seeking out race cars and a couple weeks later we found a car and made a deal and got it to the house. And then and I think that resonated with people on the channel, you know, that I, I documented every step away and what I was feeling and, and what we were doing and, um, and, and just being open with everybody as to what happened. And, uh, I think that really helped, you know, you know, grow the awareness of our channel and, and keep, you know, fans and followers to coming back and seeing, seeing what's happening. And, uh, so that's basically, basically what happened. We, we went up in the Michigan four hours away and bought a car and brought it back and rolled it right in the garage. Without, without really anything to work on it with. <laughs> How much, uh, you know, in, in trying to get your own car and, and get to that point, you know, you said you had a truck and a trailer, you said you had an engine, you know, how much stuff did you have to acquire? I mean, tools and, you know, I would assume you had your own seat, but you know, how much parts and tools and things like that have you tried to, you know, had to kind of build in now to be able to go run your own car? Well, we, and we had in, in the, the trailer, we had a toolbox, which was in my, happened to be in my garage, um, that we had used in the past for at the racetrack. Um, but we had, we had a, f a few things. We still don't have everything that we need, you know, that, that makes life easy. So still borrowing some things and using some fellow racers in towns, you know, the shock smasher or spring smasher and stuff. Um, but I, you know, I had an engine. So you think, yeah, you got an engine. You can just put it in the car and go racing. Well, no, I didn't have a carburetor. I didn't have headers. I didn't have, you know, fuel pump, power steering pump, uh, oil pump, uh, just all these knickknacks. I didn't have wheels. You know, I had to go out and buy, you know, how many wheels did I buy? 10 wheels and uh, didn't have tires. Didn't have, you know, all this stuff is just adding up and, and, yeah, is we had to buy, you know, all kinds of knickknack stuff, and and luckily, you know, we've had supporters through the years and sponsors and things, you know, that have been loyal and 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 fans that helped out, stepped up and helped helped us out too, you know, to get us put together into the track. It's definitely a a big sacrifice for, you know, a lot of people and my family. Is it, uh, you know, now that the car is in your garage effectively, is it a little bit easier because, you know, when you want to work on it, all you got to do is walk out the door? Yeah, definitely. Definitely easier. Um, if I had a, a, a consistent uh, crew guy that was passionate about it like me, I think it would, it would make it even easier because, you know, we'd hold each other accountable to be out there, you know, and doing it. But, uh, now that I put, I just put a heater in the garage. We never had heat in the garage. So I just put a heater out there. So that's going to make it more, uh, uh, what do I want to say? It, it make it easier to walk out the back door in the winter, you know, and, and work on it. It's definitely easier than having to go anywhere else to work on the race car. 
in, you know, watching your videos and stuff, you, you know, you, you race at Oakshade, you know, Fremont, you know, you talked about Attica, you know, we've seen you travel to I-96 and Hilltop and all these places. When you're kind of looking around trying to decide where you're going to race, you know, it, it doesn't seem like right now you're really chasing points anywhere, but, you know, how do you decide where and when to race? Is it just, you know, when your work schedule works out? Is it, you know, when the car is put together? How do you kind of decide right now when, when and where? Well, this year was goofy for one for the coronavirus stuff and two for us losing our ride. So we just basically uh, just went by the seat of our pants this year and just raced, you know, Attica pretty much. We, we stayed in Ohio and we only raced 10 times. So, but in, in years past when I was driving for the other guy, you know, we, we went where, you know, where it made sense, where maybe we could make a little money or, or go to a place where we've never been before. We wanted to, we did a lot of the, the ethanol series races. Um, so it, it's just, it's just what makes sense. So next year it's going to be more of the same. It's just going to be what makes sense financially. Um, you know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us to go to Eldora and, you know, when we have, I just sold my motor, so I don't even have an engine. Now I'm looking to get another one. Um, so it doesn't make sense to go down to Eldora with, you know, just one car, one engine at, and go try to compete against, you know, the shepherds and the Richardses and the Bloomquists, you know, and stuff. But so, yeah, we'll do, we'll do a lot of local stuff, Attica, Oakshade, and, and hopefully, you know, do some, try to go to some races where it pays, you know, three, four, 5,000 to win races is what we'll try to try to hit. As somebody like yourself, you know, you've won track championships, you've won plenty of races, you know, is, is there something you, you know, you want to do still, you know, would you like to have an opportunity to go run more big shows? You know, are you at a point where you're not so much worried about that? Like, you know, what do you, you know, as you look forward, what is something you'd like to be able to do? Well, you know, um, I, I'd like to be competitive with the best in the country in my backyard that's that's you know basically the the goals you know like when the summer nationals come to town or you know when one of the bigger series come to town um i'd like to be competitive you know run and run with them you know beat them you know whatever that's that's what it is I, the i never really had the dream of traveling around the country and and going to all these places you know i i remember when those guys would I specifically remember, and I'm not trying to shit on anybody, but I remember Shane Clanton coming to Attica when the World Outlaws came, and he just he I don't maybe he had a bad night the night before, but he was just so grumpy, and you know being on the road and traveling, and I'm sure you know that with traveling with the the Outlaws and stuff, uh, it it's it's a vigorous you know schedule and job to be able to do that, and uh, it never really it. Ne never really uh seemed that great uh to me to be able to to go out and and travel with uh, you know the outlaws or the lucas oil boys and i and i it seems weird to say that but with all you know everybody's dream is to go and travel but it, it never really uh appeared that that uh great to me to to do that so then in kind of thinking along those lines to, you know, what's next for the YouTube channel, you know, are there, are there things that you haven't quite done that you want to do, you know, is there, you know, a, a certain look you would like to do, you know, a certain video style, you know, like what, what's next for the, for the Ryan Missler YouTube channel? 
I see a lot more of the same. Um, just basically documenting what we're doing. And um, I, I didn't, I didn't enter into it to m make this big, wild, fancy, you know, video series of, you know, Remus racing. I just, I did it to, to uh, do something different and, and grow a following and, you know, show behind the scenes to everybody who would want to, want to tune into something like that. So I'll just probably do, you know, keep doing more of the same and, and be, cons be consistent with it. And yeah. As you kind of look back over, over your videos, is there a moment that you, you know, maybe regret? Is there a moment that you're like, man, I really look stupid right there. Like I, and in, and asking this, like, you know, I'm, um, I'm kind of trying to appeal to other people that might do something like this and, and to understand that at certain points, like you're going to do stupid things. You're going to say stupid things. Um, and, 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 you know, in, in my own situation, I've, you know, I, I've asked stupid questions of people, you know, Brad Sweet, I, I asked him about his son, Brad Sweet has a daughter. Um, and I, I asked Tony Bakoven, who is the, uh, the, the announcer at Knoxville about his four hour commute from Pella to Knoxville. Um, but I, I asked it because, you know, Pella is 15 minutes from Knoxville, but as I pulled it up on my phone to see how far away he was, I had walking directions up on my phone. <laughs> and, and I'm curious, as you look back, like, do you have those moments where you're like, damn it, why did I do that? You know, there's, I'm sure there's some, there's gotta be, uh, I can't, you know, pinpoint any one of those, but I, I do recall like looking back at some of the older videos, you know, like when we're at the racetrack, you know, people want to hear, you know, what's going on in between the races and some of the older videos we did, it goes right from heat race to feature and there's like no in between I'm like why didn't they put it i wish i would have you know filmed the kids or you know something in there but there was there was no footage there nobody had nobody turned the camera on you know and so i, I regret that i wish i wish we had more of you know the personal interaction in the pit area or in the garage from back in the day i would still to have some interaction from back in the mid 2000s of our garage you know antics and stuff but we don't have any of that um and talking to the people who might want to start this you know i had a guy call me that's he just called me right before this and i, I had to ignore it i'll call him back but he called me last week and he's going to start a podcast and i told him you know he's asked me all these technical questions like i need what equipment and all this stuff i said you just need to freaking start just start doing something consistently. And so that's this number point. Number one for advice. Number two is you can't give a shit what anybody says about what you're doing. And it's tough. You know, you're, you're, well, I can't say that. What would so-and-so think or what would my dad think or what would my mom think or what, what would my sister think I'm an idiot. And you, you just gotta like brush that shit off. You can't give a shit. As you kind of, you know, get ready now for, for 2021, hopefully things kind of get back to normal a little bit here, but what's your off season look like? And, and, you know, when do you kind of hope to be able to get back to the racetrack again? Um, we always, we always shoot for the opener at Attica. Um, it's in late March and it usually doesn't happen, but when it, when the opener does happen, that's usually our first race, unless it's going to be like a high of 40. And then we say, you know, if we're not running for points, we're not doing that. It's just, that's too cold and it ain't fun and it's hard on the stuff. So, but 
we're just going to keep documenting and putting the car back together, you know, from the bare frame that it is now and, uh, you know, do it, do it a little here, a little there and, and film it and put it out there and get ready for March. I love it. Well, I'll let you go uh, on this. You know, I certainly appreciate the time today, but uh, where can everybody keep up with you? Where, what's the YouTube channel? What's the social media accounts? You know, are there sponsors you want to reach out to you and, and say, thank you. You know, what, what's the kind of full rundown for people? Yeah. So they can go, if they want to buy a shirt or any swag and go to ryanmissler.com. You know, we got all kinds of cool stuff on there and the YouTube channel and just search my name, Ryan Missler and channel is just called Ryan Missler. Um, and Every, every social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, it's, it's Ryan Missler. Perfect. Well, Ryan, I certainly appreciate the time and uh, good luck with everything going forward. Yeah, thanks a lot, Justin. It was fun. Outside of a specific region of fans, Ryan Missler isn't a name most dirt racing fans would know. But his YouTube channel has created exposure for his team and let fans behind the scenes of what it takes to be a weekly racer. Thanks to him for the time and make sure to check out his YouTube videos. You can find the Dirt Tracker podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or where you get podcasts. You can also watch the shows on YouTube. For more cool dirt racing stuff, visit dirttracker.com and follow Dirt Tracker on Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok.